Welcome to Geographers Without Borders, brought to you by Women in GIS. This interview-style podcast brings you guests from around the world to share about their niche in geography. From GIS to urban planning to marine biology, scientists and professionals around the world use the science of geography to solve problems critical to humanity every day. Stick around for the end of the episode to find out more about getting involved in Women in GIS. And now your host, Shannon Fox Day. Hey all, before we get into this week's episode, did you know we are looking for volunteers at Women in GIS? We have a variety of committees you can volunteer for. Check out the Women in GIS website in the show notes for the link or head to womenngis.wildapricot.org for more information. Welcome back to Geographers Without Borders. I'm your host, Shannon Fox Day. Today, we are talking with Wilma Robertson, who is the Geographic Information Officer for the state of Idaho. We'll be talking about how Wilma started her career, what drove her to decide to get involved with the state and how they did GIS, and what she thinks is the next big thing in GIS. Join us now. Hello, Wilma. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me on Geographers Without Borders today. You're very welcome. Glad to be here. So when you started your career, did you think that you'd end up in a position like state GIO? Um, no, not at all. I think like many people, uh, we take a bunch of detours and then eventually we, uh, we find our passion. So I started out at an agricultural university in the Netherlands and I was really interested in doing computer simulations um, actually thought that I'd probably stay in the Netherlands and pursue, you know, like a PhD or something, do research. Um, but instead, I um, I went to Vancouver for an internship and met my husband there, um, ended up moving to Canada and becoming a crop consultant. So that's quite a quite a detour. Um, as part of that job in the winters when, you know, there are no crops, I started using GIS to model different potato fields and um, hedges and dikes that were nearby where it seems like pests were coming in from those dikes into the crops. So I got introduced to GIS um, and then a couple more detours. I ended up in uh, Boise, Idaho um, and then pursued more GIS work. And then since last November, um, I've been geographic information officer for the state of Idaho. So it was somewhat unexpected, um, but it seems to fit my personality quite well. So I'm really happy. Wow, that's a really great story, kind of winding path to how you got to where you are. But those are usually the most interesting stories, aren't they? Yes, yes, they, they definitely are. I think you just have to try a couple of things and then just pursue what, what interests you. And um, I mean, and honestly, between us GIS folk, is there anything more fun than GIS no, <laughs> than ad, than adventures, I suppose. Yes, right, right, for sure. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. What drove you to decide to get involved with the state and how they did GIS? Well, I think um, really it started out when um, my husband got a job in Boise, Idaho. Um, and I had um, a chance to take some more GIS classes. I had little kids at the time. 
Um, and funny enough, when I took my intro GIS class, um, I was hired to teach it the next semester, which was um, quite interesting. Um, then I ended up looking for jobs and ended up working for the Idaho Department of Water Resources and uh, really, really liked it there. Um, kind of floated around between different state agencies, including the Idaho State Tax Commission, back to Water Resources, and now at the Office of Information Technology Services. And I think what really helped me doing that is using GIS for different state functions. So for example, the tax commission, I got involved with parcels, working with the public land survey system. Um, at Water Resources, we got involved with you know, other projects uh, more related to water rights and things like that. Um, and so over time, I sort of really became aware that um, this position as GIO allows you to do really interesting things and you get to meet so many different people and you get to be involved in so many different projects and kind of start seeing connections of what people do in different state agencies. It's It's been really interesting. Wow, that in itself is another whole adventure. How, oh. <laughs> how did it how did it go where in you were in the class and then you got asked to teach the class the next semester? Oh yeah, that's an funny. A then. Yeah, I, I was, you know, taking um the intro class and um I noticed that they were advertising for an adjunct instructor. And uh, so I did point it out to my professor at the time, and I'm like, hey, I think they're trying to replace you. And uh, he was laughing. And he goes, but Wilma, no, really, you should apply for that. And I'm like, yeah, you're kidding. I just taking the intro class. He goes, no, you should apply for that. And so I did and I got it. But caveat, since I did work years earlier in Canada doing some GIS, you know, as I mentioned, um, when I was doing crop consulting in the summer and then uh, some GIS in the winter to, you know, map agricultural fields and so on. So was, wasn't quite a beginner, but um, there's no better way to learn something real quick and real well if you have to teach it to other people. That's a great point. I think a lot of our listeners have probably been in that situation where we've had to teach other people in the office how to mm -hmm. do this. And you are really right about that. You learn all about that very quickly. Yes, that's actually also a great study technique for people that are in school. Just try teaching it to somebody else. Yes, the the less <laughs> technically advanced, the better, right? Right. <laughs> so making change often requires getting buy-in from potentially difficult collaborators and stakeholders. How did you approach getting support for your GIS endeavors for change uh, with the state of Idaho? Um, this is a, a process that takes quite a bit of time. So um, you need to be fairly persistent. And sometimes I just picture myself sitting in a hamster ball and, you know, the, the ball is sort of my sphere of influence. And so I cannot do a lot outside the ball, but I can keep pushing against one side of the ball just to keep it moving. So, yeah, just picture a hamster in the ball. So. Um, I'm always trying to see if I can just move things just a little bit and see where that goes and then move things a little bit more. So some some big steps um, is that I did join the Idaho uh, Geographic Council Executive Committee in 2013. Um, and at one point I became chair of that committee. 
um, this was a really great place to work on those bigger issues in Idaho because you're working uh, with different um, stakeholders, so different state agencies, but also, you know, local, city, county, federal, private, utilities, tribes, all of those folks. And it really gives you like a broader sense of what's going on and maybe about what's possible. And then also the energy and the the, the spirit those people have and, and the way they are willing to volunteer their time. So that is really inspiring. And so becoming GIO, um, I'm just thrilled uh, with all the people that are willing to help out. And I'm just kind of trying to get people where I can, if they're not already doing it themselves, to sort of volunteer and help out, but kind of have a direction. So we're all kind of moving in the same direction. Um, another big thing is the, the value of pilots. It's hard to describe something. Um, and even better, you know, if instead of describing it, you can build an app or what they want, just kind of sometimes you can just build it in an hour or an afternoon and just show it to them. Like, this is what it can do. No, really, I did this in a couple of hours. GIS does that. We got those fantastic tools where we can put cool stuff together. So that's quite often, you know, instead of, Telling is just building and being proactive and being willing to spend a little bit of time to build something, to show them, even if maybe they haven't specifically asked for it. Um, I am also a firm believer in uh, planting seeds. And so whenever an opportunity goes by to advocate for a new project um, or apply for a grant or do anything, um, I try to, you know, build those relationships and try to plant that seed. Um, and actually two of them recently just started um, growing and blooming, flowering, all that good stuff. So um, I went from being the uh, only GIS person in my office um, and now having six different GIS contractors on board, uh, four of them working on uh, Next Generation 911 and two of them working on uh, um, FCC and broadband um, challenges. So um, it took about a year or two before they started coming out of the ground, but they did. So that's a, a big change. I really like right. to point out the show don't tell concept. And I found you can really figure out where someone is at in something when you really say, hey, don't tell me, show me. And right. get very clear and transparent when you when you do that and have that discussion. Right, and then you can also tell um, when they get it because then suddenly they come to you asking for a whole bunch of new stuff yes. where beforehand they didn't quite know what you were doing. Yes, Yes. absolutely. Yep. Exerting your influence in, by joining a board, how does one go about doing something like that if listeners were interested in joining a board or advisory type of committee in their town or city or county. Is that something that is usually volunteer? Do you get elected to things like that? Um, yeah, the last two things are definitely true. So the board, the or the council, the Idaho Geo Geospatial Council I was talking about earlier um, is something that are all volunteers. Um, except for the GIO, since I am that now, I guess uh, it's sort of part of my job to be part of that. I mean, I would be anyway, but up until that point and all the other members on the, the council, they're all volunteering their time. Um, and yes, they do get elected. 
Um, so once a year we have um, elections and half of the, the council is being replaced by new members. Quite often it's the same members that are just going up for re-election again. Um, and a way to get involved, um, I would say that um, not just the, the Idaho Geographic Council that we have, but there's so many local interest groups and things happening. So if if you are in maybe a smaller town or county, I would highly recommend, you know, finding out which other local government agencies or what other GIS professionals live in your area and connecting with them. Um, you know, we're typically gregarious people as GIS uh, professionals. And so I really think just not working in isolation, especially if you are the only GIS person in your agency, I think it is so refreshing to be able to talk to others. And then the other people may have connections or they may know um, about other organizations in Idaho, um, and then it can go from there. Another really good place is most states have a geographic information officer or somebody who acts um, as sort of the, the agency or person that coordinates GIS in your state. So that would be a really good um, starting point as well to contact, contact their office and learn more about what is out there. So I would say um, I have found you get way more out of it than that you put into it. Those are really, really great ideas. I did not even think to to go ahead and find the state GIO and just call their office and ask how you could get involved. That's such a great idea. Thank you. With your projects and your initiatives, how do you illustrate the value of GIS to state leadership in such a way that they buy in and give you funding or, you know, give you the support that you need to move forward? That is also a really good question. And honestly, that has been at times just, just getting your work put in front of the right people is sometimes hard. So um, what I've been trying to do is show successes um, and also produce products that show your progress. So a good example is the Next sure. Generation 911 uh, project um, involves quite a lot of work. You know, we need to visit with the uh, different uh, PSAPs, which stands for public safety answering points, are basically those areas um, that determine, you know, which dispatch center is there. Um, and so it required visits, it requires collecting data. And, um, you know, in this case, I've been entrusted with, you know, managing a project that's worth quite a bit of money. So we put out a dashboard that we update weekly with all the work that we're doing, the projects that we're working on. And pretty soon I'm going to be adding some more metrics to it. As we go on, we have different metrics we can show. So, and then I try to advertise that. So that's, that's been really good. And then hopefully somebody will just pick it up or ask questions about it. Um, and the other one, the big one is the, the broadband mapping. And that's actually a really good one to get some more exposure for. So we are working closely with the Department of Commerce in Idaho because they are the, the broadband coordinators for our state. Um, but those are maps that I think may end up in front of um, state leaders because it will determine how much funding Idaho is going to get uh, from the federal government for broadband improvements. So I think over time, as you show success and maybe show people they can trust you to do a good job and you're actually completing work and doing good work. Um, hopefully they just give you bigger projects and then you can 
showed us to even more people. So you're like the marketer, the business case developer, the project manager, the finance, <laughs> you're all the things in one. Pretty much. Yes. And um, I would say so right now, the change that I am trying to advocate for <laughs> is, is to try and find um, staff. This, this tends to snowball, right? The more yes. you take on, the, the more successful you might be. And then you have even more work. But I guess that makes it partially an adventure because honestly, two years ago, I would have not have guessed that I would be working on those projects and that I would have, you know, a bunch of really great GIS analysts working with me every day to try and complete those projects. What has been the most unexpected aspect of being the GIO? Um, in a way, I am not surprised. Um that that people are like GIS professionals in Idaho are supportive of efforts because I think many of them see that if we collaborate, if we can decide on what authoritative data sets are and making it easier um, for people to access those data sets, I'm not surprised they are supportive. What does surprise me is just the overwhelming support. Um, I mean, it is really very encouraging to see people helping me and, um, you know, putting in time, volunteering their time, um, helping write standards and, and do all that work. So I must say, so far, everybody I have encountered so far has been very supportive. That's a really terrific unexpected aspect. <laughs> Something that's a, that's a positive aspect. And that's, that's really great, especially when it's such a pleasant experience. That, that is true. And I would say my other, um, I guess, unexpected aspect is that in I've been with this agency for just over two years, um, has been just how much um, we've been able to accomplish. I mean, there's so much more to be done, but to be able to get a couple of big projects off the ground and being able to work with so many fantastic professionals has also been way beyond expectations. What a great experience. Yeah, it really has been. What is your favorite type of data to work with and why? Well, I started out um, building computer simulation models. And I mean, when I went to college, I mean, GIS was, you know, not really a thing. I guess it was a thing, but um, it wasn't really widespread. And so honestly, I never even heard the word GIS until I was graduated. Um, but that really, the projects I worked on was some of the most fun fun stuff that I've worked on, which is uh, building those simulation models. For example, one that simulates how a sugar beet grows. Um, so that was a really fun one, but sort of that analytical, trying to solve problems. And that translates quite easy to um, GIS. So I do like, you know, data analyses and that I find um, for me, because I don't have as much experience with remote sensing and rafters, that to me is different types of uh, factor data and just trying to build model builder models. Um, I like writing uh, Python notebook scripts. I wish I had more time to do all that, but that's another story. Um, and then basically I really like building dashboards. We're just trying to anticipate what kind of questions people want to ask when they look at your dashboard and then trying to give the right combinations of data 
where they can just set their own filters and basically answer their own questions. So those those are a couple of things that I do like most, um, I guess about GIS in general um, and then data specific, yes. Is GIS a career or is it a tool? Um, I think it can be both. For me, it is definitely a career. Um, I really got into it um, more permanently about 18 years ago. Um, and I have never looked for a different field to be in. Um, and now uh, being the geographic information officer, I mean, it's just an adventure. I get to work on so many different projects, meet so many different people. There's so many opportunities um, that this is definitely a career. Um, and so as far as, uh, as a tool goes, um, I think a lot of people could use GIS tools in their other jobs. And so um, I think when, um, when somebody is starting out and they're in college, I think for anybody studying archeology span or planning or biology, I mean, it kind of depends on, on if what you're studying and your interest um, has anything spatial in it. But I would think if it is, um, I think having a GIS certificate or a minor in GIS and as a companion to a degree is a really great move. A, because GIS is fun, um, but also I think, you know, for future employers, it just gives an extra dimension and um, your ability to use tools to, you know, a different way to look at data and analyze data. That is a great idea using that as almost like a minor for a degree. I see a lot of people discussing, should I go to school for geography or for GIS or for computer science? And what you're saying, I think, would make a lot of sense for people to say, oh, I'll go for computer science, but I'm going to have this specialty subset in GIS. And right. when we think of GIS, we often just think maps, but it's the IS part of GIS is information system. And so mm -hmm. that fits right into to other information systems. It's all databases back there with a spatial component. So that is definitely true. Plus all the tools that you need to analyze that data, um, to, to combine that data with other data sets, even if there's no primary key to join them together, if there's anything that you can use to add a location to it, you can join them on a spatial join. Yes, exactly. It's just amazing how you can connect and integrate all of the data. It's great. It really is, yes. What is your favorite tool, GIS or otherwise? Um, I think I, I mentioned earlier just solving problems. And so I really um, do like, tinkering with Model Builder and the um, Python notebooks. Um, as a matter of fact, um, after starting using Python notebooks, I don't think I'm gonna go back to just straight Python GUI. <laughs> I've heard that from some people I work with too. They really love those. I wish I was better at Python. Right, oh, me too. I'm not awesome, but it's just fun to tinker with. <laughs> yes, I wish I was good enough to even tinker. What is the next big thing in GIS? For me, the next big thing, I think a really big milestone uh, that I would like to accomplish is uh, finishing uh, what we call the Idaho map. So in essence, it's a collection of data sets 
that different technical working groups have worked on and deemed to be the best available authoritative data for Idaho. Taking all those data layers and, you know, providing a mapping interface where people can add those layers to it, but then also have an open data site where people can find the REST service um, or download the data. I think that will be a really big milestone. Um, one of my pet peeves, and I'm sure if anybody's listening now and they're familiar with my ArcGIS online site, they're going to laugh because... Um, it happens on my own site as well, but one of my pet peeves is multiple copies of the same data. Some of them were downloaded in, you know, 2013 and then hosted again. And, um, you know, some of them are the most recent and people just keep downloading and then uh, publishing the same data over and over again. So if we can just all stick with using the best available authoritative data, uh, we're all playing off the same sheet of music. And if we use them as REST services, they will be automatically updated. I mean, assuming you're using that data directly from the source. Um, I think another big thing will be is that um, the software as a service, so think ArcGIS Online, um, will just keep, keep expanding. And I wonder if at some point there's going to be so many tools in there that uh, ArcGIS Desktop becomes, um, you know, less necessary but we'll see where it goes i feel seen but also attacked when you talk about the multiple copies of data oh yeah <laughs> i myself cringe at my own portal account with uh water meters one water meters buffer water meter <laughs> oh, I, i'm as guilty as anybody but it's my goal to just yes. at least put a, a platform together and and point people to the best available data set. So ho hopefully, I don't think we can eliminate all the duplicates, but hopefully we can kind of control it a little bit better. That is that is a noble, noble cause. Yes. Yes. <laughs> if you could explore any place on earth, where would you pick? I have to think about that a little bit, but I think I wanna explore more about my roots. Um, and so if anybody has been wondering what my accent is, um, it's Dutch. Um, I grew up in the Netherlands um, on a farm in a polder um, about 15 um, feet below sea level. And so um, it's interesting because growing up on a farm, um, we, and also being in the Netherlands, which is really, really wet, we had uh, tubes or pipes in our fields that would help with the drainage. So water would percolate into those pipes and then they would be um, transported into the ditches that were there. And so when we uh, put in a new drainage system, somebody had to come by and they um, used the metal detector on, on all the fields. And the reason for that was that um, during World War II, um, a bomb was dropped near the farm and never exploded. So they just wanted to make sure that when they used the heavy machinery uh, to put in the new pipes. They didn't would have accidentally set off that World War II bomb. Um, so they didn't find the bomb, but they did find um, like this big um, cannonball. It is pretty heavy. I think about 10 pounds and I would say maybe about five inches in diameter. And so I would like to learn more um, about this area. I think it would be really interesting to see, you know, maps and shipping lanes and things like that of the water to see uh, before it became a polder and before, you know, um, I lived there with my family. So I think that would be really interesting.
That is very cool. Thank you for sharing that. That is such an interesting story and hearing about that. I am not familiar with it, but now I want to go there too. So, right. <laughs> That's a nice place to visit for sure. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I definitely want to go. Well, thank you so much, Wilma, for taking the time to speak with us at Geographers Without Borders today. We really appreciate it. And we wish you luck in all of your endeavors with the state of Idaho. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Women in GIS, or WEGIS, is an international, professional, and social advocacy group for those whom identify as women and their allies. The aim of WEGIS is to serve as a safe place in the geospatial industry to work towards overcoming common barriers for those whom identify as women might face. We foster relationships and resource sharing among members and institutions. WEGIS is a consortium of advocates from academia, government, and private industry designed to advance the presence of women in GIS. Want to learn more about getting involved in women in GIS? Visit our website at womenin.gis.org or you can email us at admin at womenin.gis.org. The links are below in the show notes. Thank you.